This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. How many of you have ever uh, had to deal with an impossible situation? Something that was just impossible. You ever been there? Oh, yeah. You know, and some of you are facing some pretty big things right now. You know, and I, you know, you remember, uh, you know, if you've raised kids, you know, um, kids will uh, come to you with something that is uh, world-shaking. It's a world-changer. It's their whole world's falling apart. And if you don't take care of this right now, life will never be the same for them. And you remember how you would look at some there, find out what the issue was, and you would almost want to chuckle because it was really, to you, it was like, well, that's really nothing. But uh, okay, we'll take care of that. And you let them know, don't worry, mommy, daddy, whoever, we're going to take care of that. It will be okay. I remember raising kids, you know, uh, Stacy, our first little child, our first little girl at uh, uh, we were in college in Florida, and and uh, uh, she would uh, she was very very expressive. Uh, she would over dramatize everything, and uh, like if she and she had this little friend. Uh, uh, her uh, she was uh, her parents were from Michigan, and we were in college together there. Her father and I, and um, they lived in the apartments right near us. And uh, she and Stacy would play together, and Stacy would come in because they'd get in little spats, you know, like kids do. She would, Stacy would come in to her mother, uh, and uh, she would uh, have to tell her mother how she had been in this spat with Jessica, and that Jessica had slapped her. Of course, she never told anything she did; it was always what Jessica did. But here's what Stacy would do. In order for her mother to really feel the gravity and the utter despair of the situation and how, how just unbelievable this situation was, she would take her hand, her uh, arm, and she would, with her hand, she would slap her face so hard she would leave a red print on it. Now, she hit herself harder then Jessica hit her because she would say, Jessica, hit me like this, and she'd slap herself, and she'd have a handprint there. Well, it was the reason is because it was so big. It was so world-changing, life-changing. Now, <clears throat> I am by no means am saying that the things you've dealt with or that you may be dealing with or that you may confront in the days ahead or in the future sometime, that they're not, I'm not saying they're like that. That they're little childish things that really have no significance. As I look back, I realized, you know, fairly on, that Denise and I, that what was utterly world crashing to our children was their perception of it. And if it was that important to them, uh, 
as parents, we needed to make it important to us. And we needed to calm the situation and let them know we've got it under control, everything will be okay. Mommy and daddy will take care of this. So we needed to calm them. Then we needed to show them how simple it was to take care of it. And we've all done that as parents. And if you've never had children, you've missed a wonderful experience in life. And it's just not fair that you went without them. (laughs) That could be taken in multiple ways. There's nothing like kids and grandkids. The greatest thing about grandkids is they pay your kids back for everything. I remember the first time uh, Stacy's daughter, our oldest grandchild, uh, had a messy diaper and I was holding her and I gave her to Stacy and I said, she needs changing. She said, well, daddy, why don't you change her? I said, I'm granddaddy, I change not. (laughs) <laughs> I told her, I looked at her and gave her to her and I said, take care of it. And I said, Stacy, payback is so wonderful. I said, God is just and good. There is a God in heaven. But anyway, you know, uh, as a parent or grandparent and all those, you, you really, you, you have to understand and realize where your kids are and, and, and understand that where they are and what they're going through, to them, it's their perception of how big it is. Now, can we relate that? Can we fold that over into our lives, perhaps, and what we're facing? And Don't get offended now. You may say, are you belittling what I'm going through or what I've been through? Absolutely not. Not at all. But when we come to our Father God, to whom are who said, nothing is impossible to me. He asked one person, and when they were dealing with all that, he looked, he said to him, he said, is anything too hard for me? And the answer, that was a rhetorical question. God wasn't looking for the answer because he doesn't need an answer. He is the answer. And the idea was, or the answer to the question is, absolutely not. Nothing is too hard for God. Would you say that with me? Nothing is too hard for God. Let's say that again. Nothing is too hard for God. We're like children, and as Stephen sang in the song, and I love that song. It's so encouraging. It has faith and, and strength in it. It's in it, that declaration. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's a declaration, you know? And sometimes you gotta stand in the face of all your adversities and adversaries and declare, I am a child of God. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, but uh, no matter where we are and what we're facing, as you're looking at those things and you're thinking of, uh, uh, as you're dealing with things, that seem impossible, that seem insurmountable, we all of a sudden are struck with some decisions and here is part of the human disease. Uh, What we try to do is cope. We try to learn how to cope with things. 
Now, some things you have to cope with. Uh, you know, such there are certain things in the aging process. Now, I fight against it all the way. Not getting older, but the effects of getting older. I'll never be old, but I'll always get older until I go to be with Jesus. But I fight against it. I really do, and, and I want to do more. And, you know, I want to I, I, I get back into some things I used to do, and I need to, uh, and I promised myself I would, but, uh, or am. But, uh, you know, there are things, there are just some changes that take place. And, uh, you know, I mean, my hair, <laughs> what there's left of it, both of them, uh, have turned gray uh, and, you know, white, really. Uh, you know, that's just a part of the aging process, you know. There's things that have happened. And there are, so I'm saying, there are things in life you cope with, you know. Uh, there's things like, you know, on the job, certain things that you cope with. It's just the way it is. It's a part of it, you know. Uh, getting up at a certain time, that's, you may not like it, but that's what you do, okay. There's certain things we have to cope with. The weather, you live in, in uh, the southeastern part of the United States, you're going to have humidity in the summer. Voila, guess what? Some of you didn't know that. Come to church, get a weather report, and you gain information wiser for it too. You have humidity in the south, humidity. The whole time we've lived in the south, which has been most of our lives, Denise has complained about the humidity. She hates the humidity. Well, you know, I wish we could pray, don't you? Just pray and say, okay, God, we're living in Montgomery, Alabama, but we want L.A. weather. So give us L.A. weather. Well, we may have little vignettes of when it comes through and all of a sudden it's a pretty day, a clear sky and low humidity and it's like, oh my gosh, this is perfect, you know. But you better enjoy it while it's there. Don't stay in that day because it won't be the same tomorrow. It's going to be back where you're in the south with humidity. You cope with it, don't you? All right? Uh, you just learn to cope with it. There are things in life we cope with, but God doesn't want us to cope with everything. You know, uh, evil things, sins, bad habits, wrong things in our lives that are going on that we, maybe that we're doing or that are, we're allowing to be done in our lives. We shouldn't cope with that. You should not cope with that. You should conquer that. There's things you cope with. There's things you conquer. And there's some things you don't mess with. You just walk on by them. But there are things that we need to conquer. And some of the things that we call impossible, we wind up spending time building a nest like a, we have a couple of dogs and uh, one, when they decide they wanna, you know, we're sitting down for an evening and we're gonna relax and maybe watch a, a, a TV show or something and they come in with us, uh, one of them will begin to, fix his nest, or fix her nest, I mean. And she'll run around and run around, fix, pat it down, and get everything just perfect. And sometimes we do that in our lives. Things that God did not intend for us to allow to stay in our lives, we build a nest so we can cope with it in our lives. Now we all at some time face impossible things. What do we mean impossible? Things that we cannot solve. 
we don't have the money for, we don't have the knowledge for, we don't have the expertise for. We can't buy it, we can't fix it, we can't make it different, it seems. And so it's impossible. And like our children, sometimes it may not be impossible to everyone, but to us it's impossible. To them, those things were impossible. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you can make the impossible possible. You can literally make your impossible possible. You can turn hopeless situations around. If you will decide, I'm not going to cope with this. Now here's what I've found in life. I've lived enough years that I've learned some things. Hey listen, you get as old as I am and you don't learn something, you're pretty dumb. Do you have, you have a, you, your gift is dumbness, you know, obviously. Uh, but there are some things I've learned. And one of the things is, is that our tendency as humans, when we're faced with a tough situation, we tend to make a million other decisions rather than the one hard decision we need to make. So we'll dance around and do all these other things but we won't stand and make the one decision that's gonna change things. So let me, as a little preface here as we get started, if you're facing something, now, now, now listen to me, you've either been through something, in something, or going to something. That is life, all right? You have little breaks between, but life is never perfect. And life will never stay perfect. If you want that, you gotta die to go to heaven to get that, all right? Uh, but on this side of heaven, you will have tribulation, you'll have trouble, all right? But be of good cheer, because Jesus has overcome it for us. But as you're facing things, if you're facing, if you're something, facing something that seems impossible, hopeless, insurmountable right now, then what I want to encourage you to do is quit running around, spending your time, uh, wasting your energy and resources on all these sundry things because that is what we do. As soon as we're faced with a tough decision, we suddenly start making other decisions. As soon as we're faced with something, we want to put our focus on minor things instead of focusing on the major thing. It's like the bull in the china shop concept. Everybody's looking at the china and there's a bull in there. Somebody needs to get rid of the bull. Are you listening? And when you're facing something, when you're dealing with something that seems impossible on the job, in your body, in your health, or in your finances, or in your relationships, or whatever it may be, even like a decision of what you're supposed to do and sometimes can see so, so insurmountable and so big and, and so much to think of, you wanna just forget it and think about everything else. Let me tell you, whenever you're facing a giant, look at the giant. Face the giant, don't face everything else. Don't play with the dwarfs when the giant is there. Are you listening? Because that's our humanity, that is us. And don't look at me and say, oh, I never do that. I always face my giants. No, 
our human nature because of the fall, because of us losing that God-likeness in us, which is only restored through faith in Jesus Christ, because we lose that, even as a Christian, we still have that fallen nature there that our tendency is to skirt the issue, sweep under the rug, like when we tell our kids, all right, Denise would say, all right, everybody do their chores. That mine was go outside, cut the grass, uh, trim the shrubbery, uh, edge the edge, and do all that. Okay, I had the outside. And uh, they would have to clean their rooms. Well, some of them, no names mentioned in this service, some of them cleaning the room meant everything that was dirty went under the rug. Now, when you'd go up in the room and the rug, instead of laying flat, looked like the topography of the Rocky Mountains, it gave you a hint that maybe things were not dealt with. They were just pushed under the rug. And in our lives, we tend to want to just push it under the rug, not deal with it, and we won't face the giant. If you're dealing with something, look it in the eye. I know it's impossible. I know it's scary. I know it seems like I cannot do it. Face it anyway, because until you do, you cannot ever have Father come and say, don't worry, I've got this under control. I'll give you a little story here. Quickly, there was a man named Jehoshaphat. He was uh, king in Judah. Uh, Israel was divided into two countries at the time, two nations. The northern part was called Israel. The southern part was called Judah. And uh, uh, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And they were at war all the time, fighting with one another and all this, trying to take over the land. Kind of like Sudan, you know, you got southern Sudan and you got Sudan. Well, uh, there was a bad king, Ahab, over Israel. Well, they got into a situation and uh, Jehoshaphat had done some, he disobeyed God and missed it. And then he went back and suddenly they were being attacked by these three nations And he had lost his army because of foolishness and disobedience to God. Most of his army had been slaughtered and killed. He was facing an impossible situation, a hopeless situation. But he did, he knew how to start. He knew where to turn. He knew to look at his situation, assess the situation in reality, and then turn to the only one that could provide him help. And so he turned to God and he prayed and he said, oh God, you told us that if we would stand and pray in our time of need, that you would hear our cries and you would answer us. And now here I am. I am king over this people. And a great host of enemies are coming against us and we have no might or power against them. But our eyes are upon you. And as soon as he finished praying, all of a sudden, God spoke through someone. 
Now, what does that mean? There was a prophetic word. Now, what does that mean? It just means that someone felt an inspiration within them by the Holy Spirit. And that person said, you know, I've got something from God. And here's what God is saying. You say, that sounds weird. We've all had it happen. We've all had it happen. You're on the job. You fell down. And someone comes over to you and says, man, I just are... Lady, whoever, uh, I just want to tell you, I just the job you're doing, uh, it's just so good. I appreciate it so much. Or I just watch you and you really inspire me. Or you encourage me. All of a sudden, you feel strength. You feel it. See, we've all had things happen. But anyway, this person stood up and he said, King Jehoshaphat, do not fear. For the, now listen, for the battle is not your battle. It is the Lord's. Now my friend, listen, nothing changes until you're willing to make a change. The beginning of change happens when you begin to make a change. And the first change we gotta do is we gotta look at our situation. We gotta assess it and realize, I can't do this. Quit playing around and ignoring it. Stand and face it, because I want to tell you something. Now listen to me. Whether you believe me or not, I promise you this. You can make the impossible possible, because nothing is impossible with God. Now, there was a man named Abraham. And we've heard of him. He's called the father of our faith. Uh, the Bible says Abraham is the father of everyone that believes, of every believer. Anybody that believes in God, Abraham's the father of them. He's the father of their faith. Abraham uh, uh, lived and he was born in a little village in southern Iraq. Isn't that something? Here he is, born in southern Iraq in a little place called Ur, a little village there. He was born and raised there, and he, his father, Terah, had uh, two other sons. Uh, and uh, one of them, they had Mahor, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran died at a young age. Well, here where Abraham lived, they worshiped all kinds of gods. One of the gods they worshiped was the moon god. They did the best they knew. They worshiped what the, the best they knew how with things that their other people had taught them how to do. And so they were worshiping all these gods. And, and out of the blue, suddenly the God speaks to this young man, Abram. His name was Abram at the time. And he tells them, he says, now listen to me. He tells them, I want you to leave where you are and I want you to go to a place I'm gonna show you. Now he didn't have GPS and didn't have a map and God didn't even tell him where the place was. Now listen very carefully to me. The only thing God told him is, it's not where you are. 
It's not where you are. Now, we could preach on that or teach on that for a whole service. Because if you want to get somewhere, it's not where you are. You're going to have to get up and you're going to have to make some moves to go somewhere. Because some of you and most of you are sitting wishing for something, but you're just sitting and it's not where you are. You're going to have to make some moves. You're going to have to change you. You're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to do some things if you want to get to where you want to go because it's not where you are. Now, God told him, said, leave from where you are to where I'm going to show you. And the amazing thing is, here's this young man that didn't know God. He didn't know God. He wasn't worshiping God. He was worshiping like the moon God and all these other gods because that's the religion of their day. And he was raised in that and he would go. But suddenly God spoke to him out of the midst of what he was in to draw him out. I'm going to tell you what, every one of you have had God do that. If you hadn't, you still need it. I remember when I was in sin, I remember when I was living for myself and for pleasures and for whatever I wanted and sin and my, my fleshly desires determined everything in my life. And I served that. But in the midst of that, God spoke to me and God said, come out of where you are. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're into. And I don't care you how much you think you don't need God. I'm telling you this. God Almighty knows exactly where you are. And God Almighty will speak to you. And he will give you a word of deliverance to bring you out. And if you'll just listen. And if you will obey, I promise you, everything's going to change in your life. So Abraham... We'll call him that, even though his name wasn't that at the time. He leaves and he goes. And he starts traveling and he goes on this journey out towards where God is supposed to show him where he's going. And after he goes, a period of time passes, but while he's going, everyone say, while he's going. See, now let me help you out. Some of you say, if God would just show me, I would do it. Well, it ain't going to happen, sweetheart. Because that's not the way God works. God's going to speak to you. You say, well, let God speak. Genesis through Revelation. Every morning I pick this up and I hear God. I hear his voice. Now, I don't hear a, nat a literal, natural voice, but these are the words of God. Like right now, I'm doing a study in the book of Proverbs, going through because I've asked God for wisdom, so I'm seeking wisdom. If I'm gonna pray for it, I need to go to the feeding trough. You with me? You know, any hog that, that squawks about food but won't go to the trough, that's his own problem. That was not a good illustration because I'm not a hog. But I am about the things of God. So anyway, Abram, 
All he got was go, leave where you are and go. In there, it didn't even say the direction to go. Let me tell you, he, as soon as he started moving, God's gonna watch what we do with the first thing he gives us. I'm talking about making the impossible possible. In your impossible situation, if you'll listen to God, if you'll get in the word, if you'll pray, if you'll listen to God, all of a sudden, something's gonna begin to give you, speak to you. The word's gonna show you something. God's spirit's gonna show you something. And when you, if you'll step out on that, here's what some of you are waiting on. If you'll show me everything, I'll do it. I can't go out not knowing where to go. Oh yeah, you can. The Bible says Abraham left not knowing where to go. Now can you imagine, guys, hook up with me in this. Can you imagine sitting in the car with his wife and they pack the car up and she says, where we're going? You with me, guys? You know the rest of the story? How do we explain that? Yeah. You've been there, hadn't you? I have. Denise will say, what are we going to do? I'll get right back with you. I hadn't got a clue. Abraham left not knowing where he was going, but he left. Now, get this. Now, listen. You see, once he did what God said, the first step, when God said, step one, leave. As soon as he did that, not it, let me rephrase that. As soon, after he did that, he did it for a period of time. Now he's going. And he's just going a direction. But that's okay. You say, but I would, but what if I go in the wrong direction? I think God's big enough and He's able to see all the directions and he can make sure even if you're on the wrong course to make it the right course. You don't, listen, don't ever worry about missing God. If you'll make a move, you're not gonna miss God. The only way you miss God is staying still. Nothing stays still in the kingdom of God. Everything in the kingdom, you and everything about the kingdom of God is either moving forward or going backwards. And God says he takes no pleasure in those who go back. He only takes pleasure in those that have moved forward. Listen, sometimes you gotta take a step when you don't know what step to take. Are you listening? You've gotta take steps in obedience. Just go ahead and take a step. I remember when um, we were just, we were had a, uh, working at a church, we had a full-time position there, and, and God began to deal with me, and I became very unfulfilled, very unfulfilled. I, 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 kinda, I felt like I was just going through the motions. I felt like I was taking a bath with all my clothes on. You know, uh, everything was right, but it was all wrong. And so... I just said, you know, what is going on? And the first thing I said is, God, is there something I'm, is there something wrong in me? Is there something wrong in me? Check me, let me know. If there's something I need to change about me, show me. And God didn't show me anything. And so I, I really felt that that time had ended. So I resigned and 
And uh, the pastor said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to start traveling. He said, well, have you got anything booked? I said, no. He said, well, how are you going to do it? I said, I don't know. And uh, so we just stepped out. We had no income. We had nothing. And so I just started calling people to see if anybody would let me come preach, you know? And so they'd let me come up to the prisons, but they don't pay you to preach at prisons. And uh, so, you know, I was preaching, you know, and stuff. And after a while, doors started opening, you know, small churches, and then it just began to grow from there. Well, uh, I wanted a sound system because a lot of the places I would go didn't have a sound system. And so I wanted a sound system. And believe it or not, now don't laugh. You're already getting ready to laugh. I can tell. Some of you are already laughing. But I actually sang back then. And uh, actually, we've got hidden away somewhere under lock and key that no one can have is a, uh, a little recording of some songs I did. But uh, <clears throat> we, um, I would travel and I would do the, I'd do the worship do the music, and then I'd preach, and I'd do the altar call. And uh, so we were kind of a one-man show almost, it seemed. But uh, I was praying for a, uh, I was praying for a, uh, a sound system, because we needed a sound system. Kept praying for it, kept praying for it, and never could get any two pennies together to buy it. Never had enough money to buy it. So finally, I, I, got, I was, went, down, I got down on my knees and I started, I was going to pray about it and I thought, I'm not praying about this anymore. I've prayed enough. So I got up and I went, told Denise, I went and got my car keys and started handing And Denise said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to get my sound system. And she said, oh, you got the money. And I said, no. And she said, how are you going to get the sound system? I said, I don't know, but I've talked to God about this, and I need that sound system. And so between here and the sound place, because I already looked at it and picked it out, I said, between here and the sound store, uh, the music store, God's got a problem. He's got a, I'm going to give him enough time. I won't drive real fast. I'm going to give him enough time between here and there. If he's big and he's God and he's real, then he can take care of it. Denise said, I'm going with you. I've got to see this. And so she got in the car and we're driving along. And all of a sudden I remembered uh, the church that I used to work at. The secretary told me, he said, I need you to stop by uh, sometime. And so I told her earlier, I said, well, I'll stop by next week. Well, I just remembered that. And so I thought, well, this is the time to take care of that. So I thought, I, she said, where are you going? I said, I got to stop by the church office. Uh, my sec- the, sec- my, the one that used to be my secretary told me to come by. And uh, she needed to see me. And so I s- said, I'm going to stop by and just see. And so I went over there. And when I walked in, she said, hey. Her name was Clarice. And I said, hey, Clarice. She said, I'm so glad you came by. She said, I've had this few days here. She said, someone came by and uh, said to give this to you. And it was an envelope with my name, Steve Vickers, on the front of it. And she said, uh, someone dropped this by. And I said, who? And she said, I don't really know. We didn't, I didn't know him. And I said, oh, okay. And so uh, I didn't know what it was. You know, I don't even know if it was somebody telling me, I heard you preach one time and you need to find a job or something like that. But uh, anyway, so I went and 
got, you know, went and sat down in the car. Denise said, what's that? And I said, I don't know. Some guy stopped it, dropped it off. And Clarice said, it was, I needed, uh, it was for me. And she said, well, look inside and see what it is. I was focused on a mission. I was going over to the sound, uh, the music store to get my sound system. I could look at the letter later. And she, Denise said, no, look at it. So I opened it up. Y'all are ahead of me, aren't you? Should I even tell you? In there was a certain amount of money to a penny. Wasn't rounded off, it was money to a penny. I went to the music store, walked in, and the guy said, hey, Steve, he knew me, because I'd looked at that thing, but he said, you're here to buy your system, and he said it almost like a joke, and I said, actually, I am. Well, after he got up off the floor, not really, but he said, really? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, let me get it boxed. I'll have him tell him to get it boxed up and get it all ready. And he said, we'll do the paperwork and it's yours. And uh, he went over and filled out and he said, all right, I need. You want to know how much that was that he needed? It was to the penny, tax and all, to the penny what I needed for that sound system. Now, honey, listen to me. I could have stayed in my prayer closet and kept on praying and kept on a wishing and a hoping and I kept on a praying, but it wasn't until suddenly I took a step of faith that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do if we'll let him, if we'll simply obey him. As soon as I took a step, all of a sudden the miracle, you see, or God had already had the miracle ready before me, but suddenly I began to move towards a miracle that was in place. Now, isn't it something God knew that week that I would take the step? The letter didn't come the week before or the week before or the week before or the week after. It came that week. Somebody's perfect in this equation and his name is God. Anyway, let me wrap this up because I could go on and on about this. I could tell you story after story after story. I could tell you a story about a a little girl, five years of age, that the doctors at first said she would die because of the type of cancer she had in her body. And then they said, we're gonna have to amputate her leg. We're talking about my little girl. Her name is Misty. And we didn't have insurance, no health insurance, no medical insurance, no life insurance, no insurance, only the promises of God. That was our only insurance. We had blessed assurance. And the doctors looked at us and said, this is an impossible situation. We looked at them and we said, you do what you can do, but God is going, our trust is in God and he will do what you cannot do. Are you listening to me? Long story short, sometime later, Denise and I walked out of that hospital with our daughter, Misty, five-year-old Misty, between us. And Denise looked at me and she said, have we got the victory? And I said, we've got the victory. Now, honey, listen to me. Not only did God work a supernatural miracle that the doctors wrote, nine specialists, their, her records went to Johns Hopkins, Mayo, out to Los Angeles, all over this country. 
They sent her records all over. And the doctor, I asked him, as he sat there, explaining to us, trying to explain what had happened, he said, we're dealing with something here that is unexplainable. I said, it's unexplainable? He said, it's unexplainable. I said, let me explain it to you. I said, his name is God, and he gave us a miracle. And I said, I want you to write in there, miracle. And he said, I can't. He said, medical science would not allow me to. I said, what can you write? He said, unexplainable phenomenon. I said, I'll go with that. And so in her records, it says unexplainable phenomenon. But I'm telling you what, we walked out of there and not only did God heal our daughter supernaturally, she is a physical trainer. She runs marathons. She trained me to run a marathon and I ran a marathon with her in Long Beach, California, believe it or not. Now that is a miracle. (laughs) But not only did we walk out with our daughter healed, we walked out with not owing one penny, hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills, we did not pay one penny. I'm gonna blow some of you away. A lady that I believe was an angel came to our room and told Denise, said this, she said, my name is so-and-so, I represent such and such a place, you go there, they're gonna pay your bill. We went there, They said, we don't have any lady like that that works here. Nobody works here and we don't go out and pay people's bills. You have to come to us. That's all she had to say. I said, come here. I'm here. What do I need to do? She said, well, or was it a man? It was a man, wasn't it? I believe. He said, well, uh, we'll fill out the paperwork. So they paid the whole bill, everything. Listen, are you facing something impossible? Nothing is impossible with God. You can make your impossible possible. As a matter of fact, your impossible is really a setup for you to discover how big your God is and how close he is to you. Now listen to this. Abraham, in Romans 4.20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Let me tell you, I gotta wrap this up. You're talking about wavering? Honey, you haven't been through nothing if you hadn't wavered. You haven't, you've just gone with the tide. You're like a dead fish floating down a stream if you've never wavered. But a fish doesn't go upstream by floating. A fish only goes upstream by moving. And I'm going to tell you what. I've wavered. Man, have I wavered. I've wavered unbelievably. 
I have been shaken. I have felt faithless without any ounce of faith. But that's when I discovered there was somebody else living in this body with me by the name of the Holy Spirit who is inside me, God the Holy Spirit inside me that in my weakest moment when I was wavering and fearful and wanting to quit and knew I couldn't do it and gave up even on prayer, suddenly he would stand up and believe and cry out. The Bible says that in our weaknesses, he cries out with groanings that cannot be uttered. Some of you you felt like you failed and you were so weak and you didn't, you didn't do what you needed to in your trial and your, in your time of testing. And you know what? While you were feeling so weak and helpless, you didn't realize it. But some was on the inside of you praying to God the Father and you don't know the end of the story yet because he always prays according to the will of God and God hears his prayers and God's gonna do something. You get ready for God to do what he said he will do. So let me just wrap this up. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. When I say faith is not a feeling, he was fully convinced. Now here is the key. Here is the key, the sum. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. See, Abraham, as he faced impossible situations time and time again, and he saw God do wonderful things, as the, the stories I've told you about Denise and I, and I could tell you, I could tell you story after story and keep you here till Jesus comes. But the issue is this. It has nothing to do with how confident and strong and secure and stable and solid we are. Because I'm telling you what, God uses the weak things, the base things, the things that others say, that's not good enough. Throw them aside. Push them away. But God says, yeah, you throw them right into me and I'll take what seems hopeless and helpless and useless and unable to really do anything. I'm gonna take them and I'm gonna do something with them. You see, Abraham, yes, he, in himself, I guarantee if you'd sat and talked with him, he said, waver, I'm thrown everywhere. I'm shaken. It seems impossible, but my hope is not in me. I'm not hoping in me. I put no hope in me. That's where some of you miss it. Your hope is in you. It's in what you can do. It's in what you know. It's how you can believe. And that's not the key. It's in who God is. Is he really God? Is he powerful? Is he able to do what he said he will do? And Abraham settled that. Abraham settled that. Years ago, God spoke to Denise and said, settle it in your heart, deep in your soul. Settle it that I am God. 
And you know, we need to do that. How do you make the impossible possible? How do you turn a hopeless situation around? What do you do when you don't know what to do? I'm telling you, you turn your face towards God. You remember the words of Jehoshaphat. He said, I have no might, no power, no strength, no ability, no wisdom, no knowledge to know what to do, but my eyes are on you. If you turn your eyes on Jesus and look at him, I promise you, he will do amazing things. And he will make your impossible possible. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love that is, un, that is unfathomable. We can never plummet the depths of your love. You love us beyond anything we could ever comprehend. Thank you, Father. I thank you for your great love. I thank you, God, that nothing is impossible with you. That you laugh at impossibilities. You laugh at hopeless situations because you are God and there is no other and there's nothing too hard for you. Father, I pray, I pray, oh God, for faith to arise in the hearts of the people that within the sound of my voice, especially those that are facing impossible situations. My friend, listen to me. If you're facing an impossible situation, I want you at this moment right now, you turn your eyes towards Jesus and you say, God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what to do, but this thing, one thing I do, I look at you. My eyes are on you. I put my hope in you. I say you are my God and you will make the difference. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.